I'm Julie. Welcome to Mom Made Plans Podcast. This is where we're implementing simple systems to make motherhood easier and more intentional. And today is such an insightful conversation, especially for those of you moms who also work. And it's this very topic that today's guest, Jenna Worthen, is passionate about. That we're not working moms, but moms who work. And we're going to dive into that. And there's a lot of inspirational and practical strategy today, including her three cycles of womanhood, which was so fascinating and equally inspiring and helpful strategy. And be sure to stay tuned though, to the very end for some perspective. I think we all need to hear right now and my takeaway for you at the very end. Real quick, before we get into it, I want to remind you, as we're going to talk about today a little bit about trying to do all the things, if you are feeling behind and struggling, I wanted to remind you about the one-step productivity system I have for you that's going to be such a game changer in allowing you to finally get ahead. So if you haven't checked it out yet, head on over to the quick free training video I have for you. It is at mommadeplans.com slash one step, the number one and the word step. And in less than 14 minutes, you are going to feel like super mom in your strategy of how to stay on top of everything and not be rushed. So I can't wait for you guys to just be really empowered with this. So Again, mommadeplans.com slash one step. Now let's get into today's conversation with Jenna Worthen, the author of A Mom Who Works. All right, welcome everyone to the podcast. Today is a great one because I have a guest, Jenna Worthen here of Mom Who Works and It's such an important topic that I'm super excited to talk about because so many of us struggle on all aspects of this topic. Like, I don't don't know a mom who doesn't struggle, whether you are just a full-time mom at home, whether you're a full-time working mom plus mom, like whatever end of the spectrum you're on, there's some level of guilt that you're not doing it right, that you're not balancing everything the way you need to of fulfilling that mom role and the work role. There's a lot of expectation out there for us. And we're going to kind of bust down some walls today. Before we dive in, though, I'm going to go ahead and give a chance to let her introduce herself and tell us a little about you. Hey, thank you, Julie. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, my name is Jenna Worthen, and I'm the chief curator and founder of the Mom Who Works community. We are seeking to redefine what it means to be a working mom in a world without working dads which is just a fun way to say, hey, weird, no one calls my husband a working dad. (laughs) And, you know, working mom is kind of this label I think a lot of us carry with like a badge of honor, Uh, but it comes with these external and internal expectations. And I think that mom who works is a more empowering way to kind of talk about uh, our dual roles, right? Like our, the intersection of motherhood and careerhood, uh, because I'm a mom. Who works just like my husband is a dad who works and I'm really excited to kind of dive into that more I'm a mom of three I've got a nine-year-old an eight-year-old and a three-year-old and 
I do run my own company as my, you know, pay the bills job. Uh, but it is so fun to connect with these women through our online community. Awesome. So fun. And I loved, I, I mean, I think that was the first time I'd really heard, like really to brought to light the working dad, like, yeah, you don't ever hear that. No, <laughs> that's, that's not a thing. And it's like, Oh, why, why is it such a thing for a working mom? And, and yeah, everything that comes with that. So I want to kind of start there with this idea of working mom and this label that we have and just expound upon that a little bit of kind of the problem with what that plays in our own internal mind, like you said, and external other expectations because we're a working mom. So yeah, dive in for me of just kind of being like, why this is an issue. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. I think it's something that we, us moms who work kind of feel in our spirit, right? Like we know that it's, it's a hard label to carry, but also we're really proud of it. We're really proud of the things that we can do. But we know that the label working mom, it comes with external factors, right? We know that there is a lesser pay, uh, less career mobility, you know, like we, those are hardcore facts that we have the data around to back up. But then it also comes with this internal, and this is the work that I really care about with the women in my community is there's also these internal expectations I think we put on ourselves, right? And that can, that can manifest as things like guilt and shame you know, and questioning and worrying. And, and so I really think that the ordering of the words matters. It's not that I'm done being a working mom. I'm very proud of that. But the ordering of the words matters. So when we say working mom, we imply two different things. One, that the work comes before being a mom, right? Which I'll be frank with you, in times it kind of does, you know, like there's different work times that I am busier and the demands are higher. And I kind of feel like those things are out of whack just a little bit, you know, and that's okay. That can happen. But it also implies that the work comes before the mom, right? Like that here's yet another time that I am putting my needs, my dreams aside because there's this other thing still in front of me. And so I really prefer the ordering of the words. I'm a mom who works. And also I think it's really important because mom, once you get that, once you take that on and you have that name, mom is the filter I now run everything through, right? Like it doesn't leave me, you know, it's, it's the, it's the consideration for every project I take on for every yes, I have to say for every no, I have to say. And so I just think that the ordering of the words is a different way to kind of frame it. And it's a different way, I hope, that it communicates some permission to women who are trying to figure out what the intersection of motherhood and careerhood looks like for them. Oh, that intersection. I feel like we're constantly just sort of circling around the intersection. It's just, yeah, a constant battle of like, like what you said, the guilt and the expectation and and meeting that and and so I just want to kind of go into that a little bit deeper. I think it's a great illustration that you said there of everything filters through the mom title. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great practical mindset to kind of put ourselves in of like, okay, mom title is first and filtering out there because right now in that intersection, I feel like it's more working comes before mom, but it's almost like together working mom and that whole work-life balance, you know, that's a whole nother deal of wrong expectations, but that's where we're at and fighting and struggling. So 
Do you want to dive in a little bit of like, if we buy into this working mom thing, what that does for us and our expectations and expectations other have from us if we're a working mom, like they're seeing working mom and work comes first and their demands on us. How does this play out if we let working mom <laughs> be our title? Yeah. So I think that it's important to remember that being a working mom starts before you even have a kid in your home. Okay. So whenever you start to kind of think about it, right. And some of us, uh, pregnancy was a very easy and quick thing. And some of us, it takes a long time and we're on a journey to become a mom and others are still welcoming, you know, a child into their home through adoption or foster care, you know, and I think it's important for women to start considering how they want to show up as a mom who works in their workplace before they even have a child there, you know, because I think that it's important what you were alluding to, I think is our employers have expectations on a working mom. Society has expectations on a working mom. Perhaps our partners have an expectation of what that might look like, you know, and if we're a single mama, like all of it is on us. We have nothing, no one to share that with. And so the thing I wish that we could go back and do is help women kind of figure out how they want to show up as a mom who works before they even become a child or become a child before they even have a child in their home. Um, Because I think that it's important to start to kind of navigate those expectations with your employer ahead of time. And, you know, I understand that there are a lot of jobs that do require an in-person presence, but we also know now that they don't always, you know, and And when you're getting ready to kind of transition from being just a woman who works into a mom who works, you know, your filter is, it's going to change your perspective. It's not going to necessarily make you any less ambitious. It's not going to make you want to work any less hard. You know what I'm saying? But now it's different, you know, like what I can accomplish from nine to two every day is what I used to accomplish from like seven to six 30. (laughs) because I'm highly motivated. I want to be at drop off. I want to be at pick up with my kiddos. I want to kind of figure those things out, but it's got to start with kind of how you present as an employee to start with. Because I also know as a business owner who has employees myself, if you're not showing up for me ahead of time, like the flexibility that I'm willing to give you is probably looks different because I don't know if I can trust you if I can't see you to get your stuff done, right? If I can start demonstrating some of that ahead of time, You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot more trust and there's a lot more opportunity to kind of renegotiate how that work has looked before. Now, since some of us, so many of us listening, I'm sure are already moms, it's like, okay, well, that would have been great to know five years ago, but like, what do I do with that now? And I think that some of that comes with some frank conversations. It starts with some negotiation tactics, but the very first thing you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to, you know, we get told all the time to do it all. Right, Julie? Like we hear that all the time. Yep, right? I say it all the time. All the things. Yes, all right. the things. But who's telling you what all those things are? So like you have to start with defining what it all, I use in air quotes for those who can't see, like you have to define what it all means for you. Because Julie, your all probably looks different than my all. And my all looks different than your all. And neither one is better or worse than the other, Right. But if I don't even know what it all looks like for me, how do I start to navigate and negotiate how I kind of want to show up, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I talk about in my book is, you know, kind of building out this grid of figuring out like what works, 
What do you need to quit? What are some of the fails you feel like you've had, both literal and perceived? You know, like a literal fail is like, I didn't do a project, right? And I should have done it. A perceived one is, again, I think another layer of sometimes the working mom guilt trap that we can fall into is, oh, I maybe only did 85%. Oh, that 15% is going to eat me alive. I failed. You're like, no, 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 no. I promise you your 85 was probably better than a lot of people's 150. You know, like, let's like, let's be very clear. Did you meet all the expectations? Did you deliver on time? Did your child eat that day? They are fine if it was Domino's pizza for the sixth night in two weeks, which happens in our house way too often. And then once you can kind of figure those things out, then you've got room to say, like, what are your dreams? You know, so I'm going to take what works. I'm going to quit some things. I'm going to stop worrying about some of these fails. And then I'm going to figure out, like, what are my dreams, you know? And that's how I'm going to start to define my all just for me. Yeah. And I love that because that's where this intentional mindset that I love comes in because instead of just reacting and buying into all the expectations and doing all the things and thinking that's just what it is, if you don't ever slow down to streamline and one of my favorite, um, Greg McEwen with essentialism to find the essential, like you mm-hmm. are forced to, like when you're juggling all the things, to think, okay, what is actually really important? What is actually a big deal? What are the tasks that really need to be done? What can be delegated or put off? And like, what am I wasting my mental energy on these like failures that you're talking about that? Okay, really? Like, do we need to keep wasting time? Like move on, figure out what those essential components are so that I love that you bring in. That's when you streamline, you have the capacity to dream. You have the capacity to figure out what you want your all to look like and not, not lose, like, I don't even know what the, not lose yourself. I feel like that's the common thing as a mom. And so to have, give yourself the opportunity to not just let that be. I feel like that's another expectation that like, oh, you become a mom and working mom, you're definitely just doing all the things and you don't know who you are anymore. And that's just like a normal, which is really unfortunate. And so I love that you yeah, prioritize that dreaming. Yeah, that reminds me too something of Julie that I talk about a lot is I think that we're on this cyclical journey. So like if you're listening and like I think what you were hinting at there was you know, when we do feel like we've lost ourselves, I think that there are different seasons. My friend Colleen always says don't define the entirety of motherhood based on one season. Mm-hmm. Okay, like yes. if you're a really good little's mom, maybe you're going to actually rock the high school years, like it's okay. Um, I think that it's important to kind of assess, I think there's three different cycles to motherhood, honestly, to womanhood, but I think that we're becoming, and then we're remaining, and then we're flourishing, okay? And when you're becoming, you are so others focused, because the first time this happens is whenever you welcome a new child into your home, right? And so you're just so focused on them and meeting all of their needs, And there really isn't much time to focus on yourself, right? Like you're just really pleased to get a shower in that day, maybe make baseline on some of your projects, all that good stuff. But then once you do find your rhythm, which we know is always ebbing and flowing with sleep regressions and all of those kinds of things. So be gracious with yourself. But after you're becoming, you're kind of remaining, right? Like, okay, I'm like sticking with this. Like, Things are good. Um, I always recommend if you're going to, if you think you might want to go back to work, like you got to go back for six months. 
You can't try it out for six weeks because that six weeks can be brutal figuring out how to do all of that. So like you got to give some, yourself some time and then you go, oh my gosh, I'm remaining here. And then that's whenever I think that you get to look back at yourself again, you know, because you've kind of got the other people figured out. So you get to kind of come in internally introspective and do some of this work, right? And then I feel like once you're starting to implement those things, then you move into this flourishing stage. And that's when I think you get to become others focused again, but it's even more positive because that's when you have time to mentor another woman or maybe, you know, give back to a nonprofit or just like really enjoy the people in your family again, because you're just not so drained and ragged, right? Like we've all been there. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I tell my husband, like, Hey man, like I got to tap out tonight. Like I am drained. You got to handle this, you know? So whatever. And then I do think that it starts over again. Like, I think I've been back in a becoming stage again. Like, okay, I'm really others focused, but now like I'm, I'm starting to move into that remaining. Like, what do I want to keep? What do I want to give away? You know, I'm not quite there yet. I can feel it coming, you know, like it's budding there, you know, we're like, okay, summer's over back to school. We're going to end a whole weekend. And, you know, like you can kind of start to feel all of that again. So I just want to say that as encouragement to any woman who's in that becoming phase, you know, like it's okay to not know exactly what your all looks like, but just know that you're going to find some markers in there as you kind of move into a space where you feel a little bit more settled and you can really do this work. I really like that. And I agree. I think that's a continual cycle of those three phases. So again, you guys, for um, what she had just said, becoming, remaining and flourishing, and I feel like that applies to so much, especially for entrepreneur moms or career moms. Like that's so true in, in business, like over and over again and, and bringing up the new school year, like there's seasons and they can be very short or long. And like a season of becoming where it's just, it feels more like that survival mode and you don't want to stay there. Like you're figuring out how to maintain or remain, as you say, and then to flourish. So I also want to point out like that you don't get stuck in becoming and remaining like there's that flourish. There's that third level where you really embrace your all and what, where you define what you want that to be. And so I love that, that journey that, and it can look different in different seasons, what flourishing looks like. You can go back (laughs) to becoming and redefine like, okay, things are changing. My kids are different ages now, my work looks different now, or now I do want to work. And yeah, so I love this is just like a roadmap. Like it's so helpful. (laughs) It's really helpful. And also, I'm a dreamer. I'm like a big goals, all this stuff. Like I, my brain is moving a million miles an hour. There's so many good ideas and so little time and da, da, da. And so like, honestly, even there's times I am not rushing it. I'm savoring every moment. There are times that I think, when I get in like the deep, hard stuff of motherhood and, you know, I never have a four hour block anymore to work on a project like I would like to. And those kinds of things, I think too, like, Hey, I'm going to get to become again too, when my kids leave my home, you know, and like, Oh my gosh, you know, of course I'm going to miss them. And I don't wish that time to pass faster at all. But also sometimes it's really grounding to me to just remember like, okay, this season is actually really short. You know, my three-year-old's almost four. Her brothers are older. I'm already starting to just see the little glimmers of, you know, independence and Mm -hmm. 
now she wants to sleep with me every night. So like, we're not, you know, we're not there yet. And I keep telling myself that that's okay, but also it's driving me insane. Um, (laughs) But you know, like we get to have all these different journeys in life if we really want to, you know? And And I, I just wanted to pause there for a second to really sit with that season um, of our kids and everything and not wanting time to go faster. Cause I remember being like, I just got to get to kindergarten. I just got to get to kindergarten. Then I can work more. And like, Oh, that's awful. <laughs> like To redefine the expectations of, okay, how can I flourish in this season? I mm-hmm. love pausing in that to be like, okay, I don't want to force this time to pass and just be always looking forward. And now is not good enough. So how do I, define right now to feel good and, and be okay with that and be able to flourish in that. So I just wanted to pause and to really hit on that point, because I do think we want to speed up time a lot. And then there's times I think we want to slow it down. So really either way to just find how we can flourish in, in that season, because yeah. it, it does go fast and in it the does. things it does. Yeah. yeah. And I don't wish it away. You know, I'm just like, it is, it's going to go by really fast. We hear that all the time, which is also so annoying, right? Like <laughs> savor every moment. You're like, Hey, pile on the guilt, you know, like, I don't right. know what to do here. Um, and everyone says that in like toddler age. And that was not, that was not my jam. Like I am very transparent. Like I might be the high school mom. Like that might be my thing. Like even now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm at eight. This is good. I'm feeling it more, but yeah, everyone's like, Oh, don't it goes so fast. And I'm like, I don't know. And this, yeah. There is that you're in that four year, the independence thing where you do get the glimmer of hope and it's better. Yes. But yeah. Yes. There's definitely times. And, and I love that we, and I, I got to um, get into your book a little bit and I love that that is tapped into as well of, of not buying into these titles of like, Oh, great. And rainbows and unicorns in the beginning and like that it's wrong to, feel these things. So I just love that we can be vulnerable mm-hmm. and just share quote unquote, the good, bad and ugly of all of our real thoughts and real emotions that we navigate. And they don't have to live with us forever. These thoughts, right. like it's okay to have it and be like, okay, it's just, I'm listening. Watch it go by. Just yep. watch it go by. Mm-hmm. Yes. And move yeah. on. So yeah, I just love that you're cultivating that vulnerable space to really share real, real motherhood. Yeah. Thank you. I think that something that my coach Mickey has taught me a lot is this idea of like, who said that, you know, and I talk about this a lot. I can't stop, but all the women who went before us, you know, they had different battles, right? They had to fight so they could even get to run a company. They had to fight to vote. Like I get it. They did the hard work and we get to stand on their shoulders. And I am so grateful. And so when I look at my generation, I'm 36, almost 37, we're the first moms raising kids with social media. And I don't mean that it's our kids' social media that's the problem. I mean that it's the social media that we are consuming as moms. Mm -hmm. Because never before has a mom who works had to see all the things she was, quote, not doing. Never before has she had to see how perfect somebody else's kitchen was, right? Like, She knew the kitchens of her six to eight best friends, right? Like, so we have to be really intentional about like, who said that? So like, oh my God, I love the toddler stage. It's the best stage ever. And you're like, wait, I don't like toddlers. You're like, my toddler's kind of a brat and they're hard and they're demanding. And I just like, this just doesn't, it's, I'm not, I don't feel good at this. Like, hey, guess what? That's okay. 
And you wouldn't have known that you were supposed to absolutely love the toddler stage if we didn't have all these people who whose lives we don't know, whose lives we may not really want, right? Yes. But we have all of these voices and, and we have to find a way to eliminate them because I also believe in the power and the promise of social media, right? Like that's how we've built communities and that's how we're able to find people if we can't find our own people sometimes. You know, like I think it can be a really beautiful tool. But for us moms who work, who already have, as you said, all the things to do, it can create this whole other list of things we think we're supposed to do. And if we don't define our all, then we're going to just feel like we're always floundering. Yeah. Right? You're taking on everybody's all. You're taking on everybody else's all. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure that's an all I want. No, no, thank you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like... (laughs) So I just think that that's so important. And and you might not like the season that you're in and that's okay. I'm coming off of a season I didn't love. Okay. Like I, I hit some burnout. I mean, we're talking like if it was, if you could show it physically, I mean, it would be like road rash covered my body, literal burnout. You know what I'm saying? Like I hit that pavement and I went, I skipped, you know what I'm saying? And I am just now, and I still have days where I'm like, oh my God, I kind of need to go to bed for a bit. Like I, you know, and it, it's getting better. But like, it's real. I didn't like that season. That was hard, you know, and I'm still trying to pick up the pieces from it. You know, the balls I let drop about things I really care about because I, the only balls I could carry were these five that were the most important. And, but, but these four are sitting over here that I really want to be doing, you know, and how do I make all that work again? You know, so if you're feeling really unsettled, you've got to listen to it. You got to make some space to sit with it, which I'm still not doing a good job of, but I'm trying to get there. You know, um, I feel like every time I'm on a podcast interview, I'm like saying the stuff that you're like, uh, hello, you need that too. <laughs> yes. Yes. All the time. <laughs> so so yeah. I just want that to encourage anybody who's feeling a little bit like, seriously, like you want me to also figure out what it all is. Well, I think you got to start there, you know? Yeah. Otherwise nothing's going to change. Like you're just going to keep on taking on more than you're supposed to. And I love that you pointed out right there in in that illustration of juggling the balls that there are going to be good ones that you have to put to the side. Like it's Mm -hmm. not an easy, if if it was an easy, clearly defined, like, Oh, these are the three really important things. And these can wait. We'd all be doing a lot, (laughs) a lot better job at navigating. But that's the hard part, that it's so many good things. So I just wanted to reiterate that to you guys, that there are going to be good things that you want that may have to go to the side for a little bit. And and that's Thank okay. You. And it's a tough call. Thank you for saying that, because that actually gave me a lot of clarity. When I launched my book, when I initially set the timing, I thought that I knew it would be a busy time at work, but not a lot of things changed right before my book was supposed to launch. And so my day job that pays our bills, that pays my bills, like, and I got employees depending on me, it radically escalated in demand to where I have still sat with this guilt that I did not launch my book as well as I should have. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't set up enough interviews. I didn't do enough marketing. I didn't push it out there enough. I mean, my mom who works community was super quiet during then like social media post wise and stuff, because I was literally drowning with all this other stuff. So that was a ball that I had to just go, I guess, well, it's launched, you know, like, I I don't know, 
it'll find the people it needs to find. And if it's good enough for one woman, that's worth the whole project. But that was a good ball that I had to just leave in the bin. Mm, Yeah. Leave in the bin. And it's so hard and it doesn't feel good. No. If you can reframe, if you can give yourself that pause to reframe and be like, you know what? Like, what did I, what are the alternatives? Like I could have gone, had the time to go all in on this launch and done all the things, but it would have been more, possibly more rushed and more Mm -hmm. gone through where if it's spaced out a little bit more, you can savor more of it. You can get more insight and more perspective and more like feedback and, and who cares if it takes like, who has the the rule book that the best launch is the one that's like jam packed all that. Like, yeah. Again, like, uh, of course, there's business rules and stuff, but like, it'll work and yeah, it can still be amazing. Totally. You can be intentional. You just have to change what it looks like. If you reframed it to be like, I'm going to do a four month launch instead of a one month launch, you'd be on track and you'd be feeling right. good. Totally. Totally. So, yeah. Reframing is huge. That's good. I love <laughs> that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. Well, speaking of the book, I want to give you a chance here as we close up to just tell us a little bit more because. As I mentioned, you guys, I just got into the beginning. The show notes will have it. You need to check it out. But it's so captivating, well-written with stories. And so I'll let you explain, but I'm pitching for you. Like, Thank you. you guys, this is so, like, draws you in and is so good to just hear that vulnerability of real moms, real stories, and letting her glean the insight. So um, please tell us a little bit more. Thank you, Julie. So, yeah, so it's called Mom Who Works, and it's the tools to redefine what it means to be a working mom in a world without working dads. You can get it everywhere online. And I wanted to give women a resource that gave you some tangible tools. Like if you're picking up the book, you already know that being a mom who works is a hard deal, right? And that you're trying to figure it out. And I just felt like so many of the books that I had read we're either only one woman's experience, which is super powerful in and of itself, but they also oftentimes were like just this theoretical, like, hey, let's just tell everybody that being a working mom is hard. I'm like, yes, I know. That's why I picked up the book and I can't afford a private chef. So I would like to know what do I do? And like, I think it's amazing if you can. And I get a lot of help in my house. I am not doing this on my own, um, but I wanted it to be something that just felt really relatable. So Each chapter is going to open with a story from another mom, and then I'm going to back it up. I'm going to kind of use her themes to kind of craft that chapter. And the book kind of follows this becoming, remaining, flourishing cycle. Um, You're going to figure out how to define it all. You're going to write your mom's mom who works manifesto, just like this document to return to when it is hard. And you're like, why am I trying to do all of this? Like, let's remember that, you know? Um, and it's, I hope it kind of gives women some permission and some perspective. And so I just want it to be something that feels really refreshing, something that you can pick up and you can read in one setting or something you can kind of take little bite-sized pieces of, um, take what serves you, leave what doesn't, um, and then pass it along and share it with a friend. What a gift and a blessing you are to moms with this. So thank you. Thank you. I just hope it travels and expounds and is shared and more moms who need to hear this message can get it. So thank you so much for your time today. Hey, Julie, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing too. Like um, you poured into me today too. I feel better than when we started this call. And I know that so many women feel better when they hear your voice on, on their end of their past. So thank you so much. Thank you. So sweet. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out here today. 
And I'm just so grateful to Jenna and the work she's doing and her amazing book and the vulnerable stories that she is sharing of real life motherhood. So check the show notes to get into her book, but I want to leave you guys with a takeaway for today. There could be quite a few options here, but what I wanted to really pull out and share with you again, what we kind of talked about towards the end of our conversation for anyone who's going through a season or a project that is taking longer than planned, which I feel like happens a lot that we get frustrated that we're not to whatever the next step is yet, that we're not there yet. And instead of feeling bad and resentful that maybe you had to let some good projects fall behind while you're trying to do this, reframe it to what if you had planned this to take a longer time from the very beginning, like you had set a timeline from day one that it was going to take this long and therefore you're right on time. You're right on track with where you need to be. How does that change your feelings about it right now? How does that change things for you if you're actually right on time? And then how do you flourish at this timeline? Again, her awesome three phases of becoming, remaining, and flourishing. I want to encourage you to identify where you're at right now. And if you are near a season of flourishing to really, regardless of where you are, figure out how can you flourish in this moment and time? 